I, uh, it's been a long week. Um, and I did have the bones of the next Sears sermon in the Temptation series written. It's been written for weeks. But God wouldn't let me preach it this week. I, uh, in, in our house, Carrie and I um, are almost opposite on what you would expect the gender roles to be sometimes. Um, Carrie's not a crier. I ball like a baby. That's just the way it is. Tuesday, I went with Shiloh to a field trip at AT&T Stadium. We had a pretty good time. I'm not a big Cowboys fan. So all right. I went because it was a field trip and it was neat and <laughs> we had fun and we came home. And I came home and I I got on the computer to, to get some work done. And I began to see the news. And this was about probably 1.30 or 2 o'clock. And Carrie uh, walked into the computer room and just stared at me for a minute because I'm sitting there staring at the computer just tears streaming down my face. And all I could say was, at that point, 12 kids aren't going home today. And I cried for three days, all of it. I, I, I cried off and on. My heart has been broken. I've been angry this week. I've been concerned this week. I have found myself struggling. In, in a world that is dark. Um, you know, most of us the next morning got up to send our kids to school. Shallow uh, became a fourth grader this week. That's the age of all these kids on Tuesday who lost their life. And so I struggled all week long. Um, Friday, Thursday afternoon, and Friday morning, I sat in my office in front of the computer with a blinking cursor. <laughs> and I would top a couple of words and then erase them, and I would top a couple of words and then erase them, and I kept going, God, I really, <clears throat> I really don't know what to say, <laughs> but I know I'm not supposed to say this sermon, so... Um, Yesterday, we uh, kind of had a family day together and didn't do anything because I thought all day long on what to say today. I went to bed last night not knowing what I was going to say today. Um, but this morning, early, the words began to come to me. Our response to the darkness in this world and the first place that, that my mind went to, even on Tuesday, was the book of Habakkuk. And there in Habakkuk, as it starts out there in, in, in chapter 1, verse 2, it just says, just two verses, How long, Lord, must I call for help, and you do not listen? 
or cry out to you about violence and you do not save? Why do you force me to look at injustice? Why do you tolerate wrongdoing? Oppression and violence are right in front of me. Strife is ongoing and conflict escalates. This is why the law is ineffective and justice never emerges. For the wicked restrict the righteous, therefore justice comes out perverted. That's us Father God, we come to you right now and we thank you and we praise you for your blessings. Father, we ask right now that you would take this time and use it for your glory. Father, as we look to you on how to respond to the things, the atrocities of our world, Father, speak through me this morning. Bring us your wisdom, Father. And we ask these things in Jesus' name and all God's people said. <coughs> As, as I read Habakkuk, there's, I'm, I'm not going to get real theological. Really, my point from Habakkuk this morning is that we need to get real with God. What I love about Habakkuk is the guttural cry that Habakkuk has. Habakkuk doesn't start with this, oh, thank you, Lord, and he doesn't get flowery or anything else. He just simply comes to God and he says, God, where are you? Why do I have to deal with this? That's where Habakkuk is. And that's where we have to be. If we're going to react to the darkness in our world, we have to get real with God. We have to have the same kind of guttural cry. God isn't scared or put off by our questioning. <laughs> I, I had a discussion with a teacher once who, who wanted to tell me that I should never question because questioning showed a lack of faith, but God isn't put off by my questioning. God wants me to come to Him. He wants me to ask the questions. It's like with my children. When my children have a question, I want them to come and ask me the answer because I don't want them asking their friends. I don't want them looking to the world for what things mean. I want them to come to me so that I can tell them the truth. And God wants us to come to Him. And, and this week, I don't know, maybe you were there, maybe you weren't, maybe you were afraid to just say, God, why? But I wasn't. God, why? Why are we seeing this? Why is this allowed? Why did this happen? And as the week went on and I saw more and more news, I get madder and madder. <clears throat> but God wants us to be authentic. He wants us to come to Him as His children and speak to Him authentically. We've got to get real with God if we're ever going to react to the darkness appropriately. Because without that, we find ourselves with just a religious prayer. And honestly, most of the time, religious prayers don't get us anywhere. It's those prayers where I cry out to God and say, God, I don't understand. God, I don't get it. God, would you please show me? But the second thing that, that really, as I prayed this week, that God began to show to me is that we need to quit looking for the why and start looking to the who. We're never going to understand why. I will never understand why a human of any age can take a weapon of any sort to harm children. I'll never understand that. And I can cry out why all day long, and I can, and I can try to find the reasons all day long, and if you're on Facebook, everybody and their mother has an opinion on the why. 
One people, some people want to say it's guns, and some people want to say it's mental illness, and some people want to say it's bad parenting, and some people want to say, and they have all the reasons why. We can ponder and discuss and argue, but the only why is that this world is broken. Amen. This world is broken. In Romans 8.22 we hear, For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together with labor pains until now. The creation was broken. Back, back those many years ago, when Adam and Eve bit into that fruit, creation fell. It wasn't just the humans, it was all of creation. Everything began to unravel. Everything began to come apart. And creation itself is broken. People sin. Evil reigns in this world. And this world is dark. Looking for the wine only results in pain and heartache and confusion. Because every time you read a reason why, you get angry, you get hurt, or you don't understand. <laughs> because depending on your beliefs, if the reason somebody gives is guns, and you believe in the Second Amendment, you get angry. If the reason someone gives is mental illness and you've never dealt with somebody who has mental illness, you get confused. If the reason somebody gives is I don't know, then you get upset and pain and everything else. So what do we do if we're not looking at the why? We look to he who holds the world in his hands. Psalm 24, 1 and 2 says, The earth and everything in it, the world and its inhabitants, belong to the Lord. For he laid its foundation on the seas and established it on the rivers. Isaiah 45, 6 and 7 says, That people may know from the rising of the sun and from the west that there is none besides me. I am the Lord and there is no other. I form light and create darkness. I make well-being and create calamity. I am the Lord who does all these things. And of course, Psalm 118, 6 and 7 says, The Lord is with me. I will not be afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? The Lord is with me. He is my helper. I look in triumph on my enemies. When we quit looking for the why and look at the who, we begin to pierce the darkness. Because the why is full of darkness. The why is all about darkness. The why can't give us any light. The why can't give us any reason why. And if we continue to look for reasons why, we're going to continue to find ourselves struggling in darkness. But if we begin to look at who holds the world in his hand, if we begin to look at the one who created everything and the one who loves us, the one who is there, then we begin to see the light in the darkness. We begin to see the spark that's there. Because we, he, when we look at him, when we see him, when we look at the who, we begin to remember that the pains of this world are temporary. But the promises of God are eternal. <clears throat> it doesn't matter what pain we face here. Because it's only temporary. It only lasts for a moment. In Psalms 30, verse 5, it says, For his anger lasts only a moment, but his favor a lifetime. Weeping may spend the night, but there is joy in the morning. Lamentations, chapter 3 says, Because of the Lord's faithful love, we do not perish, for his mercies never end. 
they are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. One of my favorite verses in all of Scripture is 2 Corinthians 4.17. For our momentary light affliction is producing for us an absolutely incomparable eternal weight of glory. And then, of course, if we turn to the very last book of the Bible there in Revelation 21, it says he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Death will no longer exist. Grief, crying, and pain will exist no longer because the previous things have passed away. This world will end. All of it. All the heartache, all the misery, all the pain, all the killing, all the things that, that make us just feel weighed down, it's all going to go away. One day, Jesus is going to come back and make all things new. It's not going to be like this anymore. There will be no sadness or darkness or agony or pain or nothing because Jesus is going to make it all better. That's, that's what we are promised. You know, some people look and they want to go, well, where was God? He was there. those two teachers put themselves in the way of their students to try to protect God was there when those little fourth graders were hiding under tables to save their lives God was there he's promised us time and again throughout scripture I am with you God didn't leave them alone He was in that room. He was there to meet them and take them to where they're supposed to be. <clears throat> but if we're really going to respond to the darkness, we must sing in the darkness because we know of the coming light. John the Baptist is called the voice of one crying in the wilderness. He came at a time when they hadn't heard from God for hundreds of years. But he knew the light was coming into the world. He knew something was fixing to happen and he proclaimed Jesus. Paul and Silas over in Acts 16 were in prison. They were chained up. And at midnight, in the dark, they began to sing praises to God. And their chains fell off as well as those with them. Habakkuk 3, later in this, in this book, says, Though the fig tree does not bud, and there is no fruit on the vines, though the olive crop fails, and the fields produce no food, though there are no sheep in the pen, and no cattle in the stalls, yet I will triumph in Yahweh. I will rejoice in the God of my salvation. Yahweh, my Lord, is my strength. He makes my feet like those of a deer, and He enables me to walk on mountain heights. I did not know... When I went to sleep, what I was going to say this morning. I went to sleep. And I was awakened at 3.30. By something very strange. I don't know if Carrie heard it or not. She was snoring, so 
Um, I was laying there, and just outside our window, there were birds singing in the middle of the night. And at first, I grumbled out. It's like it's the middle of the night. Shut up before I get the shotgun and put it into you. I need to go to sleep. I can't handle this. You're being too noisy, and it's birds. It's, it's not on the call out there calling. It's a little bird. Tweet, tweet, tweet. But it woke me up playing in the neck. Out of a dead sleep. But as I began to sit there and grumble, the Spirit began to impress upon me the truth. They were singing at 3.30 in the morning in the dark because they knew the morning was coming. The birds were there singing in the dark because they knew the sun was going to rise. If we are going to react to the darkness, if we are going to change the world for the better, we can't react in the way the world reacts. We have to be like the birds. We have to be like John the Baptist. We have to sing because we know that the light is coming. We have to sing because we know that there is hope. Because we know this isn't the end. Because we know that this world and its ways are passing away. We have to be the voice of one crying in the wilderness saying, Make straight the way of the Lord. Because there is hope in Jesus. That is how we react to the darkness. We don't react to the darkness by, by getting upset and getting mad. We react saying Jesus can bring hope in even the most hopeless situation. And even in the mess of a situation in Uvalde, Texas, Jesus can find glory. And He can be glorified. And lives can be changed. Because Jesus pierces the darkness. <laughs> I didn't think that way when the birds first started singing. But as I began to listen, I began to realize, and then they sang me to sleep. Because suddenly I had peace. Suddenly I realized this morning what God was truly saying to us is that there is only one answer. None of the rest of it matters. It doesn't matter what the world says. It doesn't matter what the world says we need to do. Do we need to take prudent steps and be cautious? Absolutely. But we have to be people who hold up the banner of Jesus. We have to let people know that what this world does is not the end. You know, it's... It's easy to think that It's easy to get hopeless in this world. It's easy to get frustrated with what, with what God does and allows. Because the hard part is He's God. And he could have stopped it. But he's also God. And I have to trust him. And know that if he allowed it, he's going to use it for something greater. And I may not see that. I may not know what that is. It may not happen in my lifetime. 
But there's something he's going to do. There's something he's going to use this for. He is going to be glorified and he is going to do something major with the events that happened. And, and maybe, maybe it'll be something that we see physically manifest. It may be something that, that happens internally to the people who were affected. But God is going to do something with this. Maybe this morning you've been like me all week long. You've bounced back and forth from sad to angry to whatever other emotion you can think of because I've been all over the place. Maybe this morning you're ready to say, okay, God, I'm going to hold up your banner. I'm going to let the anger go. I'm going to let the pain go. I'm going to let all of this stuff that I've been carrying that has been jumbling up my mind go to them. Because all that stuff just eats at you. Now's the time. Maybe this morning you want to pray. The altar's open. I'll pray with you. Maybe you want to serve your admissions, ministry. Maybe you want to join this church in membership. Maybe this morning... You've never known Jesus as your Savior. Maybe you've been looking at this dark world all this week without knowing the hope, without having the hope, without knowing that the light is there. Maybe, maybe you're not singing in 3.30 in the morning as a bird because you don't see the light out there. Now's the time to come down and say, I want to know Jesus. It's not hard. Just going to spend a trial on Jesus. We'll, we'll go from there. But wherever you're at this morning, whatever you need, give it to him. Would you pray for Father God, we come to you right now and we thank you and we praise you for your blessing.